Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jed. And today we are talking about the fifth movie in phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain America, The First Avenger, which I think I mentioned this the last time, but I don't like, I do not like that subtitle. I think it's stupid and unnecessary. Yes. Are they trying to make this very clear that this movie happened first in the timeline? But he's not an Avenger at the beginning of this. No, he's not. He doesn't become an Avenger until after this movie. Which and he's not the, the first one that's yeah. a, he's not the first one that is recruited either. That's Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Technically, Tony Stark is the first Avenger. Yeah. He's the first one around. Actually, is it Natasha? Who becomes an Avenger? Oh yeah, you're right. Oh wait, do the Avengers even exist at that point though or is she just an agent of Shield? Cuz Tony I think is the first person that they actively recruit to become an Avenger, or become part of the Avengers initiative. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. But, but I it could be Natasha, you're right, or it could be Clint even, you know? Yeah. I mean, it could be one of those three, but it's definitely not Captain America because he didn't even know what the Avengers initiative was mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. This movie takes place back then. So um do you what's your what's your history with the film? Have you seen this movie in theaters? Do you remember or no? Maybe. Maybe. I feel like I probably did, but I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. I did. I saw this in theaters. I see all comic movies I can, or at the time I saw every comic movie that I could could in theaters. And I remember liking it. I remember thinking that this is the type of movie that I would like them to make more of, you know? Mm -hmm. But I also remember it not being like top tier, like better than X2 kind of a thing, you know? Mm -hmm. But, But decent, decent flick, you know? We'll see how my opinions have changed or not changed as we go along. All right. I also, it's, it's important to know that Captain America is my least favorite comic book character ever. Like, I don't care about Thor, but Captain America, I actively didn't like him. Really? As a char- yeah, he was so fucking boring. More boring than Superman. Some goody two-shoes, huh? Well, it's because he's, <laughs> okay, it's because it was the whole, like, oh, I am always the right on the right side of everything, and blah, blah, blah. He's like Mr. Perfect, right? Like, mm-hmm. who fucking cares about this guy? What, he was a soldier back in World War II, and so now he's, like, the superhero that everybody just loves? Like, everybody in the Marvel Universe loves Captain America. Oh, Cap's perfect. Cap's great. And they can do no wrong, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't like him. His stories were always boring to me. I never liked Captain America. Of course, I was always kind of the person that was kind of on the outside of society for the most part, like, as far as, like, social groups and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And the X-Men definitely more appealed to me because that's what they were as well. So Cap represented to me, like, everything that everybody accepted as, like, he's, like, good-looking and he's, like, you know, super strong and he's super physical and he's really athletic, you know? Mm -hmm. like So it's important to know that I didn't have a lot of experience with Captain America. I had even less experience with him than Thor, but I did read some of his stuff post 9-11. I read some of his comics post 9-11, specifically a run that occurred like right after the right after the attacks happened. Mm-hmm. And it was much less divisive than you would think it would be. Mm-hmm. And I think I gained a little bit of respect for Cap at that time. Because he stood up for people that were being attacked for looking like the people that did it. Sure. Instead of 
being like, oh, we're going to go in there and we're going to win this war, guys. Let's suckle laid off on the job, which I'm not disagreeing with, by the way. Right. But like he is seen as a proponent for war in my mind until this point where it's more obvious that he is not necessarily that guy. But he did, he drapes himself on an American flag, you know, so what else would he be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, there's some contradiction there in the character when you deep, when you dive a little deeper. I have not read anything pre turn of the century Captain America stuff. I mean, sure. I've read little bits here and there. I used to trade comics with my brother. Now imagine my brother big on Captain America. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Right. And I was big <laughs> on the X-Men, of course. So we would trade comics to read. Like I would let him read some of my X-Men comics and he would let me read some of his Captain America comics, which I didn't necessarily always like. I wanted to read his West Coast Avengers comics. Cap wasn't in those. Mm-hmm. That was that was a whole different group of people. I had Iron Man and a couple other people in there. But I actually have some information on the creation of Captain America. Yeah, let's hear it. So Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, Mm -hmm. they're both Jewish. They created Captain America as a direct response to their dislike with the actions of Nazi Germany. Interesting. The character is considered to be inspired by the folkloric Gollum, a super strong being created by a rabbi as a protector from anti-Semitic violence. And they made him look like the Nazi poster boy, but he's the anti-Nazi. Mm-hmm. There's, there is like a lot of stuff that I like about Captain America. Mm-hmm. When, I, of course, when I'm young, when I was younger, and I wasn't paying attention to it, I would gloss over it, you know, and say, "Look, oh, he looks like exactly like you'd think, like the perfect physical human would look, right? Mm-hmm. Blonde hair, blue eye, perfectly built, right?" There's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a dude that in comics early on was punching, literally actively punching Nazis on the covers of his comics. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. Yeah. <laughs> so Stan Lee, now he does do a cameo in here, but he had nothing to do with the creation no, of Captain all. America. Not at all. But when he was 18 years old, mm-hmm. um, he got his first writing job, which was on the third issue. That's correct. Which was the first to show Cap using his shield mm-hmm. as a throwing weapon. Yep. So he was involved with that issue. He did some lore building afterwards, but he is not the person that created Captain America. The actual I original think, creation, yeah. Yeah, I think that Stan being in this, it makes me it makes it seem like a little bit like Guardians of the Galaxy. He didn't create Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't have any responsibility for that at all, but he's still in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know? Mm-hmm. So it like it rings a little untrue. I mean, I get everybody loves Stan. But, I, I mean, it would have been nice if Jack had lived longer. I mean, he died in 94. So it would have been nice if he had lived a little bit longer and he could have been in these in these as well. Maybe he could mm-hmm. have been alongside Stan. But, I mean, we don't have any... There's nothing else you can do. I mean, you can't put... Right. You could not put Stan in this because he didn't have a hand in it, but he's the face of Marvel, so of course they're going right. to put him in. Well, and they did ask Joe Simon to do a cameo. Oh, did that? Okay. He's still alive? No, no, no. He's not now. He died five months after the movie's release. Oh. So I'm wondering if he just wasn't health-wise able to do that. I don't know. It doesn't say why he didn't do it, but they did ask him to. Did we ever find out like what he thought of the movie? No. We don't know what his what his take was, huh? Nope. I never read anything like that. Five months so after know. the... That's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't realize that Joe Simon lived that long. Of course, Jack Kirby died pretty young, so. Mm-hmm. Well, relatively young, I guess I could say. Not, yeah. not pretty young, but relatively young. So, okay, so 
Why don't you give us the rest of the cast and crew then, since we're on that topic, and then we'll dive into the movie here. Yeah, this was directed by Joe Johnston. Do you know that name? It sounds familiar, but I don't... What do I know him from? Well, the main thing you're going to know him from, the main thing that I know him from is Jurassic Park 3, but you'll probably know his work best as Jumanji. Mm. The original Jumanji, he directed that. Okay. Um, He also did a movie called The Rocketeer, which was ironically a Disney movie back in the early 90s, which will, you know, eventually, I think... Okay, I did, yes. And and actually, I remember reading now that that movie there was why he Mm -hmm. was chosen for this because it was a older era you know Mm -hmm. time set piece i guess i don't know yeah i think the rocketeer i don't think it had a a big following but it was it was a comic book i want to say in the 80s maybe something like that but but it did take place in, I think, the 1950s era-ish time thing. So very close to, adjacent to 1940s, mm-hmm. you know, World War II, post-World War II thing or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a very unknown comic. I don't think it was very popular or very well um, read, but it, you know, All there right. you have it. So he made, a, he made a comic book movie early in his career, and that's how he got this. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So this was written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Now, interesting. Those guys... I, didn't they write all three of these Captain America movies? Maybe. I don't know. I am almost 100% sure that these guys are the ones that wrote all three of the Captain America movies and might have even had a hand in like a couple of other Marvel movies later on. And I kept thinking as I was watching this movie this time, they should be more involved now. Because mm-hmm. they're good at this. Yeah. Yeah. This stars Chris Evans as Captain America or Steve Rogers. I'm going to mention Chris Evans' body double for Skinny Steve is Leander Dini. <laughs> call him Skinny Steve. That's what they call That's him. That's what they in call the... him. Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. Sebastian Stan as James Barnes or Bucky. Tommy Lee Jones as Colonel Phillips. And Hugo Weaving as Johann Schmidt and Red Skull. Also known as the Red Skull. Now, <laughs> we also get Toby Jones as Artem Zola, who is a kind of an important character later. They're going to bring him back. Mm-hmm. And I noticed in a scene, and this is what made me look this up. I noticed in a scene at the beginning of this movie when Schmidt is talking to Zola, his face is on like, his face is magnified in like what looks like a computer screen. When we next see Arnim Zola, he's going to be a living computer. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's fucking good. Mm-hmm. That's good work. Yeah. I like that a lot. So we talk about this quite a bit, about when does Disney take over. Mm-hmm. And this movie here is the final one produced by Paramount Pictures. Well, exclusively uh, produced by Mar- right. Paramount, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, or... Paramount Pictures and Marvel Studios. Right. Um, Disney bought the rights to Avengers 2012, so I mm-hmm. think the next one... Still still produced by, by Paramount, though. I think the okay. next two after this, or the next two after this will be Paramount distributed at, at the very least. Okay. Yeah, I'm assuming it's because they probably already mm-hmm. had the stories going and everything when Disney bought it, and they just continued that but yeah. we're starting to get to the point where Disney's going to start getting involved in yeah this, we're so. closing in on the on the end of the era of Marvel as the rogue 
studio and mm -hmm. starting to f more shift towards that giant corporate conglomerate. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. Yep. Definitely. All right. Let's talk about the story. Let's here. talk about it. Okay. So in present day, scientists in the Arctic uncover an aircraft and alert guys from Washington. Did you take those people as S.H.I.E.L.D.? It, the way they talked made me think of Coulson. Do you get a lot of visitors out here, right? Like, oh yeah, that made me think of Coulson. I I thought they were involved with them somehow because Rogers ends up with Shield when he's yeah back. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And then we cut to 1942. Nazi General Johann Schmidt has organized a division of the SS called Hydra, and he and his Hydra men steal a relic called the Tesseract, a cube which possesses godlike powers from a town in Norway. Now this tesseract mm -hmm. it okay so later i later it's in Asgard, right? Yes, because when after Avengers they take Loki and the tesseract back Thor takes Loki and the tesseract back to Asgard. For some reason i was feeling like it came from there too but i think i'm getting them all confused now where does this thing come from it's on earth it's one of the hiding places of the infinity stones we're going to find out okay um, yeah so stones. somebody hit it somebody hit it here earth. yeah okay it's, okay, it's okay. just like the other one in guardians that's going to be hiding in that that vault on mm -hmm. Vormir. no not Vormir. that's the less the red skulls planet thing I don't remember the name of the planet. I don't remember the name of the planet either. I mean? Yeah. So yes, I know where you're talking. About. Okay. So yeah, but everything's everything's hiding in plain sight almost, really, because you've also got the ether that's going to be one of the infinity gems that we're going to see in Dark World, right? In a couple of movies, and or we're not actually we're not going to talk about it in a couple of movies. We are ending this season with Avengers next episode, actually. Yeah. But when we do get to phase two, we will be talking about some more of the infinity infinity stones or gems, as I call them. So. Yep, so I don't know. I was thinking about this too, though. It's a good point. Who put it on Earth? And why would they think Earth would be a good place for it? Mm. Like, all these other places, for the most part, are remote. Yeah. Right? Like, the Dark Elves world, that that's remote. There's not a lot of people around. Although, maybe when it was placed there, it was dinosaur times, and it would be remote. Maybe it was... Okay, so Norway, right? That's where they find this, is in Norway. And Norway has a lot of Norse mythology... Yeah. Maybe it did come from Asgard. Maybe maybe Odin put it there yeah. for protection. Maybe. That's entirely possible. I mean, I there there I do tend to think that there's an Asgardian connection to this somehow. Mm -hmm. I think you're onto something there, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because because of that Norway connection. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, also the Tesseract is actually uh, what they're referring to as the Tesseract in comics is called the Cosmic Cube. The Cosmic Cube was actually created by Advanced Idea Mechanics. Do you know the name? Mm -mm. AIM. AIM is a super evil organization that like <laughs> they do evil shit, right? But they created this thing, and it basically they imbued it with a bunch of power, and the power to basically give you whatever you want, like mm. grant all kinds of wishes. It's not like a genie, but like if you want something to be purple, it'll just turn purple if you wield the Cosmic Cube. Mm. Turns out that there are multiple Cosmic Cubes all over the universe, um, and Thanos actually goes after one at one point, but it's not related to the Infinity Gauntlet in any way, shape, or form in the comics. So this is a major departure, putting the Tesseract in here and later retconning it to be 
part of the Infinity Stones. Yeah. Okay. So, meanwhile, in New York City, Steve Rogers has been trying to get into the army to do his part in the World War II theater. He has been rejected multiple times, but he does not give up. Steve and his friend, Sergeant Bucky Barnes, I refuse to call him by his regular name. It's weird. I'll just call him Bucky, you know? Mm -hmm. He is Bucky. He's Bucky, yeah. They go on a double date to a futurist expo in Manhattan where Steve tries to enlist once again. But this time he gets approached after his physical by Dr. Abraham Erskine, a former Nazi scientist who now works for the Allies. Steve is allowed to enlist. I'm going to stop you right real quick. Yeah. So this scientist is played by Stanley Tucci. Yeah. And Stanley Tucci was excited to do this movie because he wanted to practice a German accent. <laughs> I love Stanley Tucci. He's just so weird. He's just that. He's like, I would, I would, I want Stanley Tucci to be my uncle. Not for any financial reason, just because I want to like know like kind of weird shit that he gets up to, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. he seems like the kind of guy that just gets into weird shit. Yeah. You know? I want to yeah. I want to see what my Uncle Stanley would do, you know? <laughs> What's Uncle Stan up to now? Oh. Yeah. yeah. So Steve is allowed to enlist and he is recruited into the super soldier experiment, which is called Project Rebirth, I think, later. Isn't that correct? Or is that, am I pulling that from something else? Is that a comic mm. thing maybe? I don't recall if they said that but maybe i missed it hmm. i don't know okay project rebirth stands out to me i want to say that that's what it's called maybe in the comics i might be wrong okay. a lot of this though is lifted from the ultimates which is the ultimate universe version of the avengers it's not necessarily the main avengers okay. stuff well regardless of whether or not it's project rebirth or just the super soldiers experiment or serum or whatever the unit itself is commanded by Colonel Phillips with help from British MI6 agent Peggy Carter. Phillips is unconvinced that Steve Rogers is worthy of the experiment, but he gives a test where he throws a dummy grenade mm -hmm. into the bunch of soldiers that are exercising. And the only one to fall on the grenade is Steve Rogers. Except for you do see Peggy Carter go to it. Right, but... Rogers gets to it first. But which she's going to go to it too. Yeah. Interesting because we get to that what if we find out that Peggy Carter does become Captain America mm -hmm. or Captain Carter, right? Captain Carter, yeah. She couldn't be Captain America, could she? Because she's British. <gasps> An immigrant is Captain America? That's almost like Superman being from... Oh, shit. Okay, well, we'll get to that another time, I'm sure. Anyway, Phillips relents and Rogers is in. The night before the procedure, Erskine reveals that his associate when he was back in Germany named Johann Schmidt, you remember the guy from the beginning of the movie, he underwent a precursor to the treatment that Steve is about to receive, but it did not go as planned. In fact, he got scarred from it. We don't know what those scars are yet, but we will find out. Schmidt independently learns of where Erskine is, and he sends an assassin to kill the doctor and steal the super soldier serum. Mm-hmm. Erskine subjects Rogers to the treatment the next day, which successfully transforms Steve's once frail body from skinny Steve, as you've pointed out, mm -hmm. to a hulking six foot three wad of muscle named Captain America. But he's not really named Captain America yet. But anyway, so how come he gets to keep his sanity, but, you know, Bruce has to go nuts and turn green? He doesn't have a split personality. Also, we get the talk with Erskine that. This brings out your personality, mm. you know, so that's why he was looking for somebody that maybe wasn't a macho 
person, you know, like all tough guy type thing. Somebody with a bigger core values than I'm big bad guy. I can kick your ass. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause we see that come out in the guy that replaces Captain America later. Mm-hmm. John Walker. Yeah. Yeah. He, yep. he does not handle it very well, but anyways, mm-hmm. we, that's much later, but it's very important for Erskine to pick the right person personality wise. And now you're seeing that Banner's, version of the super soldier serum was probably pretty damn close right because mm-hmm. Blonsky turns into the abomination banner mm-hmm. having a split personality turns into the hulk mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah. obviously he's off by a little bit because everybody's turning green but he's pretty damn close to it he's got the bit where it like brings out some of your personality right right yeah. yep so he got close he just didn't quite get there so just as the experiment ends and steve is taken from the little casket thing that he got the treatment in the assassin strikes, killing Erskine and stealing the only other vial of the super soldier serum. Steve pursues him and captures him, but the killer swallows a cyanide capsule before he can be taken in for questioning. And the super soldier serum vial was destroyed in the fight. So now there is no more super soldier serum. And Erkson is dead. Yeah. I like this fight. We get this, not this really this fight, but this chase. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one of the things that I like about it, they didn't use enough, the fact that Steve would not be accustomed to being as tall as he is. Mm -hmm. He would not be as accustomed to as strong as he is. He's just, he gets a hang of it pretty quickly, I guess, Mm -hmm. is my problem with that. He should really be like a newborn gazelle, not knowing what to do with these legs that are so long. He's not used to walking around on legs like this. Mm-hmm. We get one shot of him flying into a, a flower shop or something. Was it a flower shop? Yeah. Some kind of shop. He flies into the shop, and that's really more about he doesn't know how fast he's going. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he should be maybe tripping a little bit, but I think I understand why they didn't do that. It would come off as a little goofy, and you want him to be more heroic than goofy. Right. But I think for realism's sake, I would have preferred to have seen there be a little bit more of a stumbling block here, getting used to being twice the size that you used to be, mm-hmm. you know? So my favorite parts of this is actually Peggy Carter standing straight in that street with that car coming, oh, barreling yeah. at her, and she's yeah. just going to stand there and take it, and she'd yep. take that guy down. Yep. I love that. And then the, the little, little kid. kid. Yeah. I can swim. You go. Yeah. <laughs> Go get him. I'm going to take care of myself. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. I like that. My I, my favorite part of this chase is when the guy's shooting at Steve and he's using the door as a shield before he even has a shield, mm-hmm. but it's got a star on it because yeah. of the cab and everything. It's like, <laughs> it was pretty cool. It was a nice little precursor to what we're going to see later. Yeah. Yeah. Little hint of what's to come. So, so in the wake of this attack... Steve is branded Captain America and is trotted out all over the U.S. to try and get people to buy war bonds. And he's being followed by scientists who study him and try to reverse engineer the super soldier serum with no success. They're not able to do it. I think this is so weird that you have created this soldier, Mm -hmm. but then you just use him for advertising (laughs) i think they wanted okay so first of all the u.s government routinely spends 500 dollars on one toilet seat so i can totally see how they would spend all the money to make captain america and then not use him but i think more importantly they wanted to keep him close so that they could study him they wanted to try and reverse engineer that yeah recreate so i get it 
This but is definitely not what Steve Rogers signed up for. This is for. not what he signed up for. Yes, absolutely. And he's, I mean, he's one that, and what he says, he's not looking to go kill people, but he's looking at it as others are out there fighting for our country. There's no reason why I shouldn't be too. There's another instance later where Stark is showing him that shield and he's, it's kind of more of a showpiece and he's like, why isn't this standard issue? Yeah. You know, I mean, he's thinking about, you know, the people on the line and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's not def, de- he's definitely not the normal, like upper army person, I think. Although I don't really know any, so maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems what they're portrayed in TV, I guess. Well, yeah. Okay. So that's, a, that's a valid point to make that it's not your typical movie upper military guy, but I get it. Yeah. I mean, he's, he is, Definitely thinking beyond himself, which I think is what Erskine was looking for, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what he was looking for. As somebody that's going to make the sacrifice play. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, not in the end. He's not going to make the sacrifice play, not in Endgame. But, you know, that's that's his personality. Mm-hmm. That's what he's going to, you know, that's what he's going to go for. So. Now, in 1943, Steve is sent to the Italian front to perform for the servicemen where he gets a less than stellar reception, let's say. I wonder why. I also wonder <laughs> why. He is yeah. like, who wants to go hit Hitler? And these guys are like been shot at and yeah. seen their friends murdered and killed. Living in, and, Fox, living in like, Foxholes, get, yeah. Get off. Stop. Just go yeah. away. We don't want to hear you. This is a dude who has never seen combat yep. and... He's over here trying to preach to him. Like rah rah war. (laughs) Yeah, rah rah war, right? Exactly. Like that's definitely not Steve's personality. So he's trapped in this right now because of course he's gonna be the good soldier and he's gonna follow orders too, right? Yep. Up to a point. And I think that point's coming. Mm -hmm. So and 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 I think really what what I like about this next turn when we see what happens with him going after Bucky is this kind of starts his I don't want to call it radicalization because that's not the right word but it's the first word that comes to mind it goes from he goes from foot soldier to freedom fighter for everyone mm-hmm. you know he's going to save the world literally and he's not going to get there by pitching war bonds do you mm-hmm. know what i mean yep so he and he's not going to get there by following all the orders either you know that's what that's what i actually like about this captain america versus what I understood about Captain America mm-hmm. early on. Now, he may have been this character all that time during the 80s, but I don't know that because I never really read any of it. Mm-hmm. That's the Captain America that I remember from the post-9-11 comics that I was reading, you know? Yeah. That's what I liked, and that's what I like about this. So Steve receives word that his friend Bucky has been declared missing in action after a battle with Schmidt's forces, and Rogers, Agent Carter... And millionaire inventor Howard Stark, Tony's dad, fly behind the enemy lines to infiltrate Hydra's fortress. There, Steve finds and frees Bucky and dozens of other soldiers captured by Hydra. During their escape, Captain America confronts Schmidt, who reveals that he is wearing a mask to cover the damage that he received from his first super soldier treatment. When he pulls the mask off, his face, his face is deep red and resembles a skull, which earns him the nickname the Red Skull. Schmidt manages to escape, and Steve returns to the base with the freed soldiers. After this, though, the military, I think, has seen the light and have realized that he's not good any good to us 
sitting here pitching war bonds, but he can help us root out this Hydra stuff. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that Agent Carter mm -hmm. helps him kind of break rules or you know what the she, orders are she had a thing for him before he became buff that's why mm -hmm. i like peggy is mm -hmm. that she didn't care that he wasn't like six foot four and full mm -hmm. of muscle he was just skinny steve but she really liked him at that point mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i also think it's interesting that we start getting this relationship with howard stark and steve rogers long before steve rogers meets tony you know yeah later but we, yet we we spend a lot more time with Tony and Steve, but I think it's interesting. Lot, it started it with Howard. I, I I just find that interesting. Yeah, right? it's a good connection. But my I think do we I, and I don't know because I haven't done a rewatch in a long time. This is my first rewatch, and I won't know until we get there. But remind me, do they does does Steve mention that he knew Howard? Yes. Does he even say that, like in Avengers or whatever? Because that's when he first meets. Tony. I, I don't think it's talked about a lot. I think it's kind of almost like a, just a sentence put okay. out there. Okay. And I don't remember if it's in Civil War or if it's in one of the Avenger ones. Civil War would make sense because the 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 reasons for why Tony wants Bucky mm -hmm. taken down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those. Um, the other thing about this sequence that's really cool is when these guys come walking up, like mm -hmm. the colonel's putting together um, a death notice yeah. for Steve Rogers. Yep. And he's not dead. He just went and single-handedly yep. saved hundreds of men. Mm -hmm. And they're all walking up. And, and he just like earned the, what do you want to call it? The respect admiration yes and yes he just earned all of that from these people mm -hmm. these people that were telling him to get off the stage yep and he just saved all their lives so now he yeah. now he shows them what he can do what he's capable yeah. of yep and he's with no he, training by the way right no training he doesn't need it he just his muscles just are naturally like good naturally at good fighting. at doing stuff yeah but naturally good at fighting <laughs> I would assume that since he was in the military, he was in basic training. We did see him train yep. a little bit. Mm -hmm. So he knows how to fight, but what he's doing in this, when he starts slinging the shield around, mm -hmm. where did he learn that? He practiced that. At least when we see Sam Wilson take a shield, he practices with the friggin' thing, you know? Yeah, but he doesn't, he's not injected with serum, you the know? The serum doesn't make you capable of knowing how to throw a shield. Uh, well, you're very athletic, though. And have athletic, it ricochet though. back to you. Yeah, but okay. Some people are just naturally athletic and like can literally pick up any sport or try any sport and just be good at it. Some people are like that. <laughs> okay. So maybe this serum with his, their infestation of all his cells and stuff, that that's what happened is he's just now this very athletic dude. I, I think it's silly that he just automatically knows this too, but we don't know. He spends a lot of time doing this whole circus training thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's been boxing, I mean, you know, in the background. Maybe he's been working well, he was out. he a boxer. He was a boxer. You know, he's been working out. He's been yeah. doing different stuff. So we don't see that, though, because we see the circus performance, you know? True. Very true. So in the aftermath of the rescue, Rogers recruits Bucky along with several of the other free so freed soldiers to lead raids on Hydra bases. And the military responds by outfitting them to the nines. 
Steve gets a new uniform that he helps design. It's a star-spangled red, white, and blue battle outfit. He gets a vibranium shield from Howard Stark. He gets to get that tested out by Peggy Carter. She shows him that it's bulletproof, thankfully. <laughs> she is pissed. Yeah, she's mad. He ends up kissing another girl who's Natalie Dormer. By the yep. way, I didn't realize that at oh, first. Okay. But then I was like, man, she looks really familiar. Really, really familiar. So I, I wrote that down because I wanted to be sure that I pointed out that Natalie Dormer was in that. I wanted to talk about Howard Stark again real quick, too, before we get too far, too much further in the rest of the story. Howard Stark is another recast. This is three recasts in four movies. Mm-hmm. Three. Mm-hmm. Five movies, sorry. Three. Howard Stark, James Rhodes, and Bruce Banner have all been recast in the first phase of Marvel. Recast Kang and keep moving. (laughs) Nobody's ever going to hear this, but I'm shouting it out into the freaking wilderness. I don't care. I want people to know. Recast Kang and move on. This one kind of makes a little bit of sense, though, because this is previous to... So this is supposed to be a younger Howard Stark well, yeah, I mean, that version so, of him was in the 70s, but right. still. So I feel like that does actor. make sense to yeah. have somebody younger because we do go back to Howard Stark later, and I'm pretty sure they bring that original one back again. Do they bring John Slattery back? I thought so. You might be right. You might be right. So they've recast him twice. And re- yeah, recast him and then recast <laughs> or maybe him back. It's, maybe it's not recast. Maybe I don't that's think it's just recast. The, I he's just, just wanna... playing the younger version. I, yeah, of I feel okay. like it's just the younger version. All right, still recast Kang and move the fuck on. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk about here was the people that he recruits are actually the Howling Commandos, who were first commanded by Nick Fury, the original Nick Fury, back when he was white and not from the Ultimate Universe or the MCU. Okay. He commanded a group of soldiers in the World War II era called the Howling Commandos before he before S.H.I.E.L.D. even existed. So I thought that was cool that we got to see them. I wish that we would have been able to see Nick Fury involved in that, but then you'd have to kind of have... You'd, you'd, then you'd have to explain how Nick Fury ends up aging, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, if you... God, unless you do life model decoy or something. If he's an LMD, that could work, but I don't know. Whatever. There's not a way to make it work because 1940s to 1960s is a lot more believable for Nick Fury to have been involved in the Howling Commandos and then be involved in S.H.I.E.L.D., Mm -hmm. you know, in the 60s, than 1940s and 2010s, you know? Right, (laughs) right. It's just not believable for Nick Fury to be involved in that unless he was also somehow altered, and then you'd have to make sure that Sam Jackson didn't age out of the part. I don't know. I, I just wish we could have seen Nick Fury in the Howling Commandos because I think I think Sam Jackson would have been cool in that role. You know what yeah. I mean? Like commanding this group of like badass soldiers that goes in and like just wipes out like Hydra agents. That would have been fucking cool. We get the next best thing. We get Captain America doing it. Right. You yep. know? So fast forward a couple of years, 1945, the team is attacking a train that is carrying Hydra scientist Arnim Zola. They capture Zola, but Bucky falls to his death from the train while facing a heavily armored Hydra agent. Or what we think is his death. Now, interesting here is that for the longest time, there were two people that were just not allowed to come back from the dead in Marvel Comics. And they were Bucky Barnes and Ben Parker. Mm -hmm. And they made an exception because Ed Brubaker, when he put together... The Winter Soldier storyline, Marvel was like, 
all right, that's badass. You can bring Bucky back. Mm-hmm. That was the only reason they brought Bucky back. So my yeah. theory on this is that at some point, Ed Brubaker is going to write a story where Ben Parker comes back and he's a secret soldier as well. I don't understand <laughs> how he survived this fall. Maybe he fell in water. <laughs> I, Maybe? I, I don't know. I'll have, When we get into watching these later ones, I'll have to pay attention to see if they tell us. I feel like there was that. something in Winter Soldier that it kind of referenced it. It probably was. It was it's probably one of those quick lines that yeah. you, know, you got to make sure you're paying attention. Then we know Bucky's not going to be the one to say it, though. No. You know, I wonder no. if there's like a flashback to it at some point. Because that is a gap. Like, how does he survive that? Mm-hmm. It's not a small fall. I mean, they're up on a bridge overlooking oh, yeah, like a mountain Oh, yeah, it is chasm. a long yeah. fall. Yeah. I mean, he falls for a while. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Then you no longer hear him, but he's still falling. Probably not that far. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, just kidding. Okay, so so the captured Zola gives the team information that leads them to Schmidt's lair, where he is preparing to unleash weapons of mass destruction engineered with Tesseract technology on the major cities of the world, including Berlin. Steve stows away on the aircraft that the Red Skull is using to deliver the weapons, and then Cap and the Skull fight, and in the battle, the Tesseract gets exposed. It ends up falling out of like its casing, and he and the and the Red Skull grabs it. He physically handles it, which we've known so far. Nobody has nobody has touched it. Mm-hmm. We don't know what happens when you touch it until he does. And what happens, which I never put together, but like he just zapped out into space, mm-hmm. right? Like, I took it as an alternate dimension, but he literally gets zapped out into space, out to Voromir, right? Yeah. That's where he goes. We find that out later, of course. We mm-hmm. didn't know that even when this movie was out. The writers didn't know that, but that's where he went. <laughs> Interesting that they picked up on that. Like, well, hey, wait, wait a minute. He just got zapped out into space. Let's use him, you know? Yeah, right. I, think, I like that. I like that there's that Bible that kind of connects all that stuff together mm-hmm. for Feige and his crew. The Tesseract, once it shoots him out into space, though, it it burns through the hull of the aircraft like the alien blood in Aliens, just like (laughs) right through, and then falls down into the water, falls Mm -hmm. into the ocean. Steve realizes that the aircraft is damaged. He can't safely land it without detonating the weapons that are on, but he thinks that he can can put it down like somewhere where there's not people, Mm -hmm. at least, right? Mm -hmm. So he calls Peggy Carter to say goodbye and make a date for the next weekend before he crashes a plane, killing himself, ostensibly. Of course, he didn't kill himself. Mm-hmm. But they, That was very sad. It was very sad. He made a date with her. I thought that, I was like, man, that's rude. Don't do that, dude. I know what you're doing, but like, come on. Like, don't be that optimistic. You're like making, you're like, now she's going to be forever like plagued by this idea. Like, we could have had a date. You know, like, I don't know. And even Steve's going to be plagued with that. We're going to see that in the next scene because mm-hmm. he wakes up in a hospital room to the sounds of a baseball game on the radio. And he recognizes that this is Captain America being Captain America, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, I was at that game. There's no way I'm listening to it on the radio right now, which means you guys are frauds. Right. So what the fuck's going on here, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, he doesn't use that language. He's Captain America. Language, right? Mm-hmm. He busts out of this hospital room that he's in. And runs out into Times Square, but the problem is he's not in Times Square in the 1940s. He's in Times Square present day. There he's approached by S.H.I.E.L.D. director Nick Fury, who tells him that he has been asleep for 70 years. And Steve says, 
crap, I had a date. Yeah, that's his concern. That's what he's worried about. It, but you know what? That's very that, sweet. That gonna, means he loves Peggy Carter. I mean, that if that's your first thought, that is somebody very important to you. Yes. Also, it means that he thinks more about other people than himself. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, shit, I'm in the wrong time. Oh, shit, I've disappointed somebody. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And somebody that I love, obviously, right? Yep. Now, there is no post-credit sequence in this movie. It is literally a trailer for the Avengers. So we won't be talking about that. That being said, do you have any additional notes that you want to talk about? I do. Okay. So I want to talk about the technique that they used to make Skinny Steve. <laughs> okay. They shot each of the scenes four times. Okay. And once like a normal scene with Evans and his, with the other actors and actresses do the whole scene. Sure. And then once with Evans alone in front of a green screen. Interesting. And then again with everyone in the scene, but with Evans absent. And then finally with the body double that stood in with those little dot things on his face. Yeah, the uh, mocap stuff. Yep. Yep. With that body double in there. So four times go through that. So for the other actors and actresses. Four times. <laughs> That's minimal. But, but there are some directors that'll make you do like 14, 15 takes. Stanley Kubrick, notorious for making you do. I know, but you got to remember so if you did 10 takes on each of those times, you ran through that 40 times. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, so they shot it four different times. Good point. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the threat. It's late, guys. We're recording this one late tonight. Yeah. But, and so, and so my brain is not quite 100% there. But yes, you're absolutely right. That that was, it's not four takes. That was four individual shoots yeah. with, uh, <laughs> right. with their own friggin' problems. That's a, that's a nightmare. Wow. Yeah, and then they had to also, when Chris Evans was in there, they had to direct everybody like, okay, when you are talking to him at this point, you are looking at you know, the top of his head and he has to be looking at, you know, like they couldn't look at each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, because like they had to the get the right, thing, right, right face, you know, yeah, in they got to look at the right spot. Yeah. Right. And then of course they were filmed, you know, walking on boxes and you know, the, <laughs> it's, there's just lots of stuff they had to do to get this in there. Now I do think this looks pretty good, but I have always felt like, his head still looks too big for that body. <laughs> I don't. I okay. So I remember you saying this. I remember you complaining about this and saying that you don't think this is accurate or doesn't. You don't think that it looks right. That his head it looks just too looks big. A little off to me. And I watched it. I watched it this time with an eye for that specific detail. And what I noticed is that it's not that his head to me. It's not that his head is too big. It's that his face is just off a little bit like and that might be what it is it just it's definitely something on his head right. or face that i'm like it doesn't fit with that body right it it's like it's not like his face is hovering in front of his head mm-hmm. but there are spots where you can almost see the seams of like where they just plastered it on you mm-hmm. know almost not quite and so it does. I'm, I'm with you on this. It looks off. I don't think it looks too big for his body. If you do, that's fine. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, like, for me, I don't have a problem with that part of it. I do notice some of the seams here and there, though. But then again, 
it's 2011 mm-hmm. shot in 2010 you right. know whatever it's I, fine. I think it's still pretty good and it's very creative for yeah. to get this to work you know chris evans declined this role three times the director wanted him really yes they wanted why, why him did he, why did he decline it because he saw what happened to Robert Downey Jr. when Iron Man came out. And he was very worried what the increase in fame would do to his private life. And so oh. he was a little concerned about taking on this role. Interesting. Okay. He eventually... But we do have some alternate casting. So, cause do we have when... alternate casting for yep. Captain America? Yep. When they... Okay. When they were being told no, mm-hmm. you know, they had to start pursuing other options. Sure, and, yeah. but they th- other they, options open. Right. Sure. They were able to get him in at the end. But first, let's talk about Peggy Carter. Okay. we got a couple. Mm. Kira Knightley. Eh, not bad. I'm Emily guessing Emily Blunt. Blunt. Yeah. Yeah. Th- I'm yeah. like, man, Marvel's really going after her because they were going so, after her for something else, too, recently. We just talked about. I don't remember it? what it was. Oh, it was Black Widow in Iron oh, Man Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now, I, again, I have nothing against Emily Blunt, but Haley Atwell is Peggy Carter to me, you know? Yeah. And I think Emily Blunt would have been fine uh-huh. from the get-go. I think that would have been fine. Yeah. yeah. Keira Knightley, I'm not, I'm a little le- lukewarm on her, but I think that, I think that Emily Blunt's acting ability would have really captured this role. So I think she would have been really good in this. All right. And then the other ones I have are for Captain America. Interesting. I want to know about this. Sam Worthington. He is the Avatar guy. Oh, God. Will no S- offense to him at all, but like I can't see him doing this. Will Smith. Will Smith. Interesting, but you would have had a lot of bigots up in arms about oh, this. Oh, you would have, but I think he could have done it. I think he could have done it. I think yeah. it would have been... It would have been handled a little differently, obviously. Yeah. But I think it would have been cool. And I think it would have been a nice little callback to a miniseries called The Truth, which was all about like how they tested the super soldier serum before they got to Steve mm-hmm. Rogers. They tested it on black soldiers. We learn about that in yeah, that's the learned, TV we, series. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in the Captain America, or excuse me, in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Wyatt Russell auditioned. Now, he didn't get the part <laughs> here, but he does get it later. Well, he doesn't get this part later. No. He, gets the, he gets to play John Walker. Yep. The new Captain America. New for Captain a America. Yeah. Quick minute. Uh, short list included Channing Tatum. I don't think Channing Tatum. I think it could have worked. I think he could have worked. I, I think it's because the build would have given it, would have really been his it. physique. Sure. Yeah. I don't. I mean, he's not the world's greatest actor. But I think he could have done just fine with this. Yeah. I think you know, re- really, we're dealing with an archetype here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. This is this is an archetype type character, mm-hmm. so he doesn't have to be like. It, he ends up being, but it doesn't have to be like nuanced. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like Evans gave it nuance, but it doesn't. He works without nuance as well. You know, he works yeah. as that archetypical character. So I think that in a way, Channing Tatum could have worked. Yeah. yeah, Sebastian Stan was actually in the short list for Captain America. Could have worked. They moved him over. Could have worked. John Krasinski. No, thank you. And Jensen Ackles. No, thank you. <laughs> Interestingly enough, Jensen Ackles will play a character that is a, a riff on Captain America in The Boys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is all my notes. Do you have any other notes? Interesting. Yes, I do. I have a couple of notes here. Caps, uh, I wanted to talk about comic-related similarities. Okay. Because I, I always talk about like things that are different, right? The thing that I noticed that was 
most similar to what I know from the comics is Dr. Erskine's death. It happens very much like it happens in the comic. He is shot just after Steve is transformed. Like his birth is is sullied by Erskine's death and by an assassin, right? So I wanted to give a shout out. That was very, very comic accurate. The other thing, this movie's structure is very similar to the very first issue of The Ultimates, where we are first introduced to Captain America in World War II. We see him in World War II and we follow him all the way up until they find him in the ice at the end of the movie. So this, or at the end of the episode, or the end of the issue. So it is very similar to that. Uh, thankfully, that is as that is as close as we get to the Ultimate Captain America because Ultimate Captain America is a racist prick asshole. Mm. The other thing that I thought while I was watching this was, you know, Bucky's in the Red Skull's lair for a while there, and he's strapped down to a table. Do you mm-hmm. think that they implanted something in him before he fell that started this process? Because when he is found. He's found by Soviet Hydra agents. Maybe. I didn't know. It never occurred to me, and I don't know that there's any really any connection. I don't know that there's any connection but at that all. That might be but why he survived. That could be why he survived, right? Like, yeah. I was thinking about it this this the whole way because when he when they first when Steve first gets to him, he is really groggy, like he's been drugged. Mm-hmm. Something's been done to him, right? Mm-hmm. It's never explained. Then he goes on some missions and he falls to his death. And the next time we see him, he is a Hydra agent, mm-hmm. right? He's the Winter Soldier. So, I just I'm just thinking about it as there could be something that had gone on prior to the actual accident that led to his being missing in action or killed in action sequence. So, yeah, yeah that was all I had. Everything else I've talked about, so we're good to go. All right. We don't have a one shot for this movie. This was. There was no one shot for this, so we're good to go. The Stanley cameo. Yeah, let's talk about that Stanley cameo. Is a general in the medal ceremony for Captain America. Oh, yeah. And the officer sitting next to him is Reb Brown, who played the title character in Captain America and Captain America 2 that were movies that were out in 1979. Yeah. Yep. The TV movies. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have actually seen some of those movies from the 70s. They're not good. <laughs> they have they do have a lot of Captain America on a motorcycle action stuff, which I think is cool because they they throw some of that in in this movie. Kind of probably as an homage to that. But uh, yeah, it's basically you should see the dude's helmet. Look it up if you get a chance. Look up Reb Brown Captain America and look at his 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 bike helmet. I will do that. It's embarrassingly bad <laughs> <laughs> embarrassingly bad so is that it for your cameos that is it groovy okay let's do our thing then what's your rating for this out of five stars i'm gonna give this a four star nice. i i really like this movie this is this is one of my favorite I, captain the captain america ones I'm going to just be up front. They tend to be upper, upper ones in the whole mm-hmm. series for me. Yeah. I, I really enjoy them. I like the time period storytelling we've got going on. Mm-hmm. I love the story of Steve Rogers. Also, Chris Evans is basically like Captain America in real life. I mean, he yeah. just seems like such a nice person. A decent person, right? He is. Like, he, he 
was okay. And I'm just thinking like you see him at award shows and he'll get up and like help offer a hand to women if they, if they look like they need help or something. And he's also like, he broke up with this gal one time and he had nothing but fond words to say about her. And that's just not something that happens. Usually people are just mean and bashing the other people, but he just seems like a really genuinely nice person. Um, I love Peggy Carter. She's such a badass. Tommy Lee Jones. I love him too. Who doesn't love Tommy Lee Jones? I mean, he's Tommy Lee Jones for crying out loud. Yeah. I question for you. Did you watch the Peggy Carter series? The Agent I Carter? haven't not yet. Okay. It's on my like radar. Like I need to get this watch and I really want to watch gonna it. We're going to get to it eventually. Right. Yeah. I mean, we'll get there when we yep. get to the stuff, but yeah, we will. Let's do it. I like Bucky. Yeah. I, I love the friendship between Bucky and Steve. Yeah, absolutely. I just really enjoyed this movie a lot. So I'm going to go with, Four stars. Excellent. How about you? I'm going to give this one three and a half because I do love this movie. And this is going to be weird coming from a guy who just set this whole thing up by saying how much he didn't like the original Captain America character when he was younger. But I love these movies. All three of these movies, like you said, are in the upper echelon of Marvel movies for me Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. This one is probably my least favorite of the Captain America trilogy. Mm Mm-hmm. But three and a half stars is pretty goddamn good. I'm going to take a little bit away for some bad special effects, but what are you going to do? Also, because I really wanted to... I really wanted Steve to have more of an adjustment period to his new body. He's not going to just jump right into it. The super soldier serum is not going to just automatically adjust your, you know, metabolism, your your ability to, you know, your, your, your balance, any of that stuff, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I I just wish we would have seen a little bit more of that. And you know what? I'm nitpicking. That's too much nitpicking. I shouldn't even nitpick about, I'm going to go with four stars on this. (laughs) I'm going to give this four stars because as I'm sitting here thinking, I'm trying to rationalize why, why I gave it three and a half stars when I was thinking about it. And that's not a good enough reason for me. Like, that's the main thing, right? There's not any real problem with this story. Mm-hmm. Like, it flows pretty well. Mm-hmm. There's not like, it doesn't fall off in the third act like Thor did. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it four stars. I'm going to give it four. I'm changing my I'm changing my thing to four stars. And from three and a half to four, I'm bumping it up. Well, this is your podcast, so you can do what you want. It's our podcast. It is, but. I'm going to run it by you. Is it okay if I change my. <laughs> I, I will allow it. All right. It's been allowed. Four stars. Next week, we're getting the band together for the first time. The Avengers, right here on the couch. I'm so excited. This is going to be an interesting conversation. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. You have been listening to A View from the Couch. Visit our new website, thecouchpod.com, where you will find a calendar of upcoming releases, links to our podcast episodes, and you can sign up for our upcoming newsletter. You can also email our host directly at view at If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Every review helps us get noticed. Thanks for listening.